Welcome back to the Podcast Positivity Show with your host, me, Marlena G. I would like to start today's show off by going to my prayer manual. Um, I haven't um, uh, prayed out of the prayer manual as often as I would like on the show this season. I did quite a bit last season, season one. So I want to make sure that we are binding spirits of evil and that we are rebuking the hand of the enemy off of our lives as much as possible. So I am definitely going to go to the prayer manual today. This is my prayer manual. And if you have been listening to the podcast positivity show, you know that I have prayed quite much out of my manual um, in season one. So we're going to go to the spirit of death. First Corinthians 15 and 26. I really feel it in my spirit today to pray about the spirit of death that wants to come in and kill us, take us out of this world before it's time, put fear in our hearts to make us believe in early death and things like suicide and abortion and all of that. So we're going to bind the spirit of death today. No death will be coming into anybody's home and taking anybody away. Okay. Strong man called spirit of death. Yes, I speak straight to you. I bind you in the name of Jesus Christ, along with all of your works, your roots, your fruits, your tentacles, links and spirits that are in my life and the lives of everyone listening to the sound of my voice and their family and whoever they love and the lives of everybody that we have all prayed for today, along with all of your fruits and spirits of murder, suicide, accidents, fear of death or dying, anger that leads to death, near-death experiences, miscarriages, abortions, barrenness, and I cast you out of me and everyone I love and everybody by listening to the sound of my voice and everybody that we have all prayed for today, along with all of your works, roots, fruits, tentacles, links, and spirits. And we now loose you from us and we force you into outer darkness in the name of Jesus Christ. We bind you in the name of Jesus Christ and declare that all of your works, roots, fruits, tentacles, links, and spirits are dead works in our lives and the lives of our spouses, children, family, and lives of everybody we have prayed for today in Jesus Christ name and we bind you and loose you from us everybody that we have prayed for today and loose you to go wherever Jesus Christ sends you and command you not to come back into our presence again we ask you heavenly father to loose into us and each person we have prayed for today the resurrection life and life more abundantly according to John eleven twenty five 25 and John 10 10 to God be the glory in Jesus Christ's holy name. Amen. Bind the spirit of death. Loose resurrection life and life more abundantly. According to John eleven twenty five and John 10 and 10. Amen. Yes, definitely want to rebuke and, and, and bind the spirit of death. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I not only wanted to um, uh, pray out of my prayer manual for the uh, spirit of death, binding and rebuking the spirit of death, but I also would like to do a bedroom blessing prayer. When you lay down at night, sometimes you might feel a little weary. Your day might have, have been, you know, kind of hectic or, you know, kind of stressful. And, uh, you know, those evil spirits, they want to attack your dreams. The enemy wants to come in and attack your sleep to where you have insomnia and you can't rest. Well, we're going to do a bedroom blessing for when we lie down at night so that we sleep peacefully. I bless you, doorway to this bedroom. This is what I want you all to pray. Pray this over your bedrooms. I bless you, doorway to this bedroom, as the gate of security of this room. Bed, I bless you with serenity and peace. I bless you as a place of dreams and the presence of our God. I bless you with the blessings of rest and refreshment. I bless you, bed, as a gentle invitation to slumber and sleep, to regenerate bedroom 
home, I bless you with quietness. I bless you to be a haven that angels watch over. I bless you as a private place, leaving all the cares of the day at the gate. I bless you as the place where we awake fresh and alive to begin each day. I bless you as a place of beauty. I do this blessing in the name of Jesus who neither slumbers nor sleeps, but gives to us as his beloved, even in our sleep. In Jesus name, amen and amen. Stay with me. Welcome back to the show. Pull up a chair, grab your kiddo, because we've got the weekend kids show coming up. Also, get ready and set to hear a great message provided by Life Church on the Open Network. Let's say a great prayer for them today, thanking God for all the resources that they provide to ministries around the world. Also, we have some inspirational music from Life Church as well, and it's going to be a great show today. So, Sit back, relax. It's the weekend on the Podcast Positivity Show with your host, me, Marlena G. Hey, Life Church and all of our network churches, I've got a very big treat for you today. As you know, whenever possible, I love to introduce you to those who have influenced me and allow them to bless you. I want to introduce to you today one of the greatest teachers on leadership on planet Earth. No one has sold more books on leadership than this man. His book, The One-Minute Manager, sold over 15 million copies on the New York Times bestseller list for over three years. What I love about him is not just his heart for leadership, but more so, it's his heart for Jesus. I don't want to take up his time. I want to introduce to you a friend, a mentor, a great man of God. Would you please welcome Dr. Ken Blanchard. I tell you, what a joy it is to be with you all from Life Church, you know. And I, I just so am impressed with your vision. I mean, you'll do anything short of sin to get to the lost and teach them about Jesus. And I was lost till I was 48 years old. Can you imagine that, you know? And, and all of a sudden, you know, the woman in management was so ridiculously successful that I was having trouble taking credit for it. And people started saying, why do you think it's so... I said, God must be involved, you know? And so God suddenly started to send all these people... Uh, after me, you know, and it was 48 years old when I really turned my life over to the Lord. And it's so interesting how you can see his hand in your life backwards, you know, because he gave me the situational leadership and the one-minute manager and all kinds of notoriety and all that stuff because he knew when I was on his team maybe I could help. And so I am so excited about that. And when, when I turned my life over to the Lord, I went to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Acts. I want to know what the man did. I'm a behavioral scientist. I just started to laugh because everything I had ever written about leadership, anything I had ever spoken about leadership, Jesus did with these 12 incompetent guys he hired. I mean, you wouldn't have hired that lot. Uh, and, uh, and uh, of course, he turned them into the greatest leaders. I mean, how many of you get people who will commit their life to the vision you've set up? And here it is 2,100 years later. And as you all know from One Solitary Life, Jesus never, you know, went from 200 miles from home. He never owned a house, you know, he didn't go to college. He didn't. But who do people talk about around the world? Everybody loves Jesus, you know, because he's the greatest model for living. And what I found out, he was the greatest model for leadership uh, of all times. And I found out people weren't teaching in the divinity schools. They weren't teaching in the churches. So I guess, okay, Lord, that's, I guess this is why you're... I'm on your team, you know, and when I turned 65 a few years ago, I was talking to Zig Ziglar on the phone, the great motivational guy, and he invited Margie and I to the 59th anniversary of his 21st birthday, you know, and I said, Zig, are you going to retire? He said, there's no mention of it in the Bible, except for Jesus, Mary, David, a couple of other people. Nobody under 80 made an impact. He said, I'm refiring not retiring. So that's what I'm really doing. I'm, I'm here today. I'm all refired, and I want to see how I can commute from... <laughs> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> 
I want to see how I can move from San Diego to be part of your church. I mean, this is unbelievable, the energy, you know. Last night I'm praying, you know, because I'm listening to all this music and all. What am I going to say to these people? They're already so pumped up uh, anyway. But uh, one of the things I found in the, our main beliefs in Lead Like Jesus is, number one, that Jesus is the greatest leadership role model of all time. There's nobody that uh, is a better model for, for us and secondly, and this is important for all of you to understand, leadership occurs any time you attempt to influence the thinking, beliefs, or development of somebody else. So all of you are leaders. A lot of times when I say, how many of you are leaders? Only about 20% put up their hands because they think it's all about position. But we all have life role leadership positions, you know, as parents, as spouses, as friends, as colleagues and all. And then some of you have organizational leadership positions, but it's all about influence and all. And so that's really important. So it's so important for you to understand. The third thing that we really believe is that effective leadership starts in the inside with your heart. And the question with your heart is, are you here to serve or be served? And what did Jesus tell the disciples? He said, even I have come to serve, not to be served. And that gets to our last belief is that servant leadership is the only management and leadership approach that Jesus validated for his followers. So we have no choice but to be servant leaders. And what does that really mean? Well, servant leadership means that you're clear with people on what you're trying to accomplish. That's the leadership part of servant leadership. You need goals. You need vision and all. The great thing about this whole church of yours, Life Church, is that you have this fabulous mission, set of values, and all that everybody can really go after and support. Because if you have nothing, you know, to, you know, follow, what are you going to follow? Yourself. One of the problems we have in Washington, in our country, we have no clear vision anymore. So what, what is it to serve yourself? Everybody's interested in getting reelected and all that kind of thing. We need leaders who serve first set of vision and some goals and all that kind of thing. And then you turn the pyramid upside down and now what you're doing is working for what? The people. Working for the people who can accomplish the goals. And see, what you all do is you have such a clear vision, and what you're going to do, anything short of sin, you're going to be out there helping people come to the Lord because that's where their life comes alive. That's where it is. A lot of people forget that Jesus said, I come to give you abundant life. We want to always want to pitch the hell card, you know, and say, you know, if you don't sign up, you're going to go to hell and all. Well, that's a nice fringe benefit to me. But what I want to know is what am I going to do now? You know, how can I make this? How do I bring heaven to earth? I love Tony Evans says, faith gets you to heaven, but it's your works that brings heaven down to earth. And I think that's what you're all trying to do is, sure, you want to help people get to heaven, but boy, you want to what? Have them live their life. And Jesus said, you will be my disciples by how you love each other and how you serve each other. It's not about you. And boy, that's so powerful. And I tell you, when you see that happen, it makes any organization come alive. Let me just give you an example. As a citizen, the worst department I've ever had to deal with in the government is the Department of Motor Vehicles. I don't know if you've ever had that. I always thought they hired human beings that hated other people. Have you ever seen that? And so one day I lost my license, you know, right before a big trip to Europe, you know, in, in about a week or so. So I said to my secretary, I got to go to the Department of Motor Vehicles and get a new license to back up my passport. And so I said, schedule three hours for me next week in the Department of Motor Vehicles because that's about how long it takes them to beat you up. See, because <laughs> organizations where they don't turn the pyramid upside down and they want to keep it up, they think the organization is about rules and regulations and all. And you're talking to a bunch of ducks. And quack, quack, you're in the wrong line. Quack, quack, you filled out the wrong form. Quack, quack, what's wrong with you, stupid? Quack, 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 quack. You know, and they run you around the whole place. <clears throat> so I headed over to the Department of Motor Vehicles for my thing, and I walked in, and I re immediately knew something had happened. This woman charged me, and she said, Welcome to the Department of Motor Vehicles. Do you speak English or Spanish? Because we're right near the Mexican border in San Diego. I said, English. She said, Right over here. Guy behind the counter says, Welcome to the Department of Motor Vehicles. How may I help you? And it took me nine minutes to renew my license, including getting my picture taken. So this woman is taking my picture, and I said, What are you all smoking here? I mean, <laughs> 
You know, it's not the department I used to know and love. And she said, haven't you met the new director? It's always a leader. It's always a leader. Can you say that? It's always a leader. Boy, that is so true. So I went over to meet this guy, see? And I said, what's your job as the head of the Department of Motor Vehicles? Listen to this. This is the greatest definition of management and leadership. He said, my job is to reorganize the department on a moment-to-moment basis depending on citizen need. Let me just repeat that. My job is to reorganize the department on a moment-to-moment basis depending on citizen need. He had cross-trained everybody in everybody's job. Everybody could do the front desk. Everybody could do the pictures, including people in the bookkeeping department, secretaries and all, because if there was a rush by citizens, he said that your job is in mission critical. Now get out here. We've got to help the citizens. <clears throat> so, I mean, it just blew my mind. They, they, nobody could go to lunch between 11.30 and 2. Why do you think that's true? Because that's when the citizens had come. Now, I, that blew my mind, but what really blew my mind, a, a week or so later, my secretary <clears throat> at that time, Dana, had uh, turned 50, and she bought this big motor scooter. See, she's going to bop around Southern California in her latter years, you know, and all that kind of thing. <laughs> and she never thought she needed a license for a motor scooter, you know, you know, car license and all. I said, no, you've got to get a license. She goes over to the Department of Motor Vehicles, and the woman puts her name up on the screen, Dana's never had a ticket in her life. Perfect driving record, see? And the woman says, Dana, I can see here that in three months you have to take, retake your written test. In California, you don't have to go there but it's about every 10 years and take a written test, you know, to just see if you're still alive or whatever. I had to do when I turned 70, you know, they wanted to see if I was still, you know, feeble or whatever. And... Uh, And she said, why don't you take both tests today? She said, test? I didn't know I was supposed to take a test. And this woman, she reached across the counter, patted Dana on the... She said, oh, Dana, with your driving record, I'm sure you can pass the test. Besides, if you can't, you can always come on back. So Dana went and took both tests. She brought them back to this woman. and, And she scored it, and Dana fell one correct answer short of passing each test. So officially, she failed. This woman said, oh, Dana, you are so close to passing. Let me try something with you. Let me re-ask one of the questions you got wrong in each test. Upon thinking about it, maybe you could get it right. Now, isn't that amazing? But you know what's really amazing? There's only two answers to each question. (laughs) And she said, Dana, you chose A. What do you think is the right answer? B, you passed, you know. And... uh, and, uh, so, uh, which was really unbelievable, see. And I was telling this story at a place, and this bureaucrat came up at the break. And you can always tell bureaucrats, they have very tight underwear on, you know, and they kind of walk a little bit like this, you know, and all. And he said, why are you telling that story? That woman broke the law. Your secretary failed, see. So I went back to see my new friend, and I told him this. And he said, Ken, let me tell you one other thing. When it comes to decision-making, I want my people to use their brains before rules, regulations, or laws. He said, I guarantee you, if your secretary missed three or four, she would have never given the same opportunity, but she only missed one, and she had a perfect driving record. And so my person didn't think it was fair to that kind of citizen to bring him back for one mistake. He said, I would you know, back her decision with my job. Now, would you like to work for somebody like that? Now, why is that? Because that person's got the heart of a servant, and he goes into a bureaucracy that normally does, and he changes the whole place. See, you all can make a difference where you go. And the thing that's going to make a difference, though, is how do you stay on focus to be a servant? The way you stay on focus is that you got to have some habits that keep you focused, see? And Jesus had five habits that we teach in in our Lead Like Jesus program to keep him online. Because you remember, he was both God and man. And so he was tempted like all of us with all of the kinds of of things. And how did he stay on? Well, first habit he had was solitude. How much time do you spend by yourself quietly? 
I mean, most of us don't spend any quiet time. You know, I mean, it's so interesting. You know, we all have two selves. We have an external task-oriented self that's used to getting jobs done. And then you have an inner thoughtful, reflective self and all. Which one do you think wakes up quicker in the morning, your external task-oriented self or the inner thoughtful, reflective self? It's what? The task-oriented self. You jump out of the bed, you know, the alarm goes off. Have you ever thought what an awful term that is? I mean, why isn't it the, you know, it's the opportunity clock? Or it's going to be a great day. No, alarm! And boom, you jump out of bed and you're trying to eat while you're washing and you jump in your car and you're serving the Lord. But I'm going to go to this meeting and I'm going to do that. You know, you're running around serving the Lord and all that kind of thing. And you get home and at night you're absolutely exhausted, fall into bed, you don't have any energy to say goodnight to anybody who might be lying next to you. Next day you're out of there, boom, you know. And I've seen some people who are, quote, serving the Lord who are exhausted. And they're more interested in doing than being. And what Jesus wanted us is sure to accomplish things, but he wanted us to be. He wanted us to have hearts to love. You'll be my disciples by how you love each other. And uh, what we need to do is we need to figure a way to enter our day slowly. And see, one of the things that Jesus did was solitude. He went off by himself. You know, he went off for 40 days after he was baptized. That's a lot of solitude. You know, Satan really blew it when he attacked him then because, man, he was solid. He might have been hungry, but he was solid <laughs> on, his, on his beliefs and all. He went off by himself after he found out John the Baptist was killed, I think, to deal with grief probably. He went off after he fed the crowd of 5,000, maybe to deal with pride because they wanted to make him king. And my favorite one is he went off by himself one day, you know, he's doing a bunch of healings, and the disciples are really getting psyched up. I mean, this could really be a good business. Uh, and, you know, but then it says in the Bible, early the next morning, Jesus went off to, by himself to a solitary place to pray. See, because solitude and prayer kind of go together as two unbelievable habits, you know. And uh, when the disciples got up, and they said, where is he? My God, look at the crowds, you know. And they're running around trying to find him. And they get him, and they said, Jesus, they're all waiting for you. Did he care about those people? You better believe he cared about them, the most caring human being that ever walked uh, the earth. But what did he say? No, let's go to the next village so I can preach, for that is why I have come. See, because what is interesting about solitude and prayer is you quiet yourself so you can recalibrate who you want to be in the world and what the Lord has put you here for because we know whose we are, we're his. Humility is really the realization of complete dependence on God. That's when you get, and, and we're his. But then who are we is, why are we here? And you all kind of need a personal mission statement or feel, you know, why is the Lord have me doing this? Why am I going to do this? And how can I serve with a heart that will make him smile and proud and all that kind of thing. Well, you're not going to do it by racing out of bed because you're going to get caught in a rat race. And Lily Talman, the great philosopher from Hollywood, you know, she once said the problem with a rat race is even if you win it, you're still a rat. Uh, and uh, so what you got to do is find a way to enter your day slowly. And so Jesus used solitude, you know, a number of times and all. And what do you do? One of the things that we teach in Lead Like Jesus is it's wonderful to get up in the morning and sit in the side of the bed and put your hands on your knees and think of all the concerns you have today and then lie them down at the foot of the cross because the Lord's going to take care of those. He can help you with those. And after you've thought about your concerns, then put your hands in an upward motion and listen. You know, he might have some good things to tell you. A friend of ours said she can always tell when God's talking to her, first of all, she gets ideas that she never could have thought of herself. She goes, whoa, that's really interesting, you know? And the second is, question she said, would the devil want me to do it? You know? And she says, if there's no to both of those, then, man, he's talking to me now, you know? But a lot of times, we don't take that time to let him talk to us. And all. And so that's a really powerful thing. And then prayer. My God, prayer is really powerful. I 
learned from a friend of mine early on, Bob Buford, about the ACTS acronym for prayer. And what's interesting is I, I really think that Jesus said, I will be with you forever uh, and all. And why can't you imagine Jesus right here? My friend Wally Armstrong, who's a great golfer and friend, he and I wrote a book called The Mulligan together, just wrote a wonderful book called Practicing the Presence of Jesus. And he was struck by, in the Bible, towards the end of Jesus' uh, ministry, he said, I no longer call you uh, servants, I call you friends. And a friend is, obeys my command, and I command you to what? Love each other. And he said, well, gee, how can I imagine Jesus as a friend? And he suddenly got this wonderful image when he was at the Masters following Arnold Palmer uh, for his last go in Augusta because he's an old buddy, and they were meeting some people up at, up at the 18th Green. And, and uh, Ben Crenshaw won the Masters a couple of times, was up there talking to a guy. It was a big crowd. And Wally said to his friend, who's Ben talking to? He said, oh, that's Jesus. And he was really he hadn't seen the Passion of the Christ. And it was Jim Cassiesel, you know, <laughs> dressed in golf clothes, you know, you know, and khakis and all. And he said, why can't I imagine, you know, Jesus just here? And so one of the things I like to do with my prayers is have Jesus sitting there with me. And the act says the first thing is adoration, which is thank you. I mean, you're unbelievable. I mean, look what you created. I'm just blown away you know, by the beauty and the people around me. So you start off just adoration. And then confession is next. Is what did you do yesterday that you think wouldn't really make him smile? And if you can't think of something you did wrong yesterday, you probably lie about other things too, you know? <laughs> I mean, because, you know, we're not perfect at, at all, you know? And, and so, you know, fess up, because he already knows anyway. Uh, and so just tell him, God, I really feel bad, Lord, about you. that what I did there. I should have listened to that person. I was too busy or what have you. And then T, thanksgiving, is, boy, be appreciative. Be thankful. Thankful heart is just so fabulous. It, it just brings more good blessings, I think, into you. And then S is supplication, which is, what is your wish list? What are you praying for? A lot of times people start with that, you know. They say, Lord, I want this, this, this. No, that's at the end, after you say, man, you're fabulous, I adore you, and here's what I'm fessing up, and here's what I'm thankful for. And now, and then after you do your wish list, kind of turn to Jesus, and he's sitting there with you and say, well, what do you think? And then shut your mouth, you know? <laughs> a lot of people don't realize prayer is a two-way communication, you know, and you're doing all the talking. You know, shut your mouth and let him share something with you. You go, whoa, that was really interesting, I hadn't thought about that. I don't think the devil would want me to do that either, you know. And uh, so prayer is really fabulous uh, thing. And then the next thing is the study of Scripture. Boy, is that important, you know. I mean, it's a really good book, you know. <laughs> I mean, what is the Bible? It's basic instruction before leaving earth. Uh, and uh, it's just amazing to kind of relook at that and study it and and all, and you know, get in Bible studies and, and all. It's, it's just fabulous, you know. And I got a big kick out of the first time I read the Bible, particularly when Satan's, you know, tempting Jesus. You know, Jesus could have said, ah, get out of here. You know, you got to be kidding me. You know, I'm at least number two. But what did he do? Every time he said, it is written, and he quoted the Bible. I mean, he knew the Bible. You know, he knew the Old Testament. The New Testament wasn't there yet, uh, but he was living it. Uh, and so the study of Scripture is just so uh, important uh, for you. And, and, and if you ended your day with some time of solitude and take, putting your concerns down at the foot of the cross and then listening, you know, <clears throat> to any advice and then starting your prayers and using any strategy you have for prayer, you know, and then start to just look at the Bible and get, get a, a plan going through there. Or some days I like to just go boom, you know, and go, oh, you wanted me to read that, you know. I mean, isn't it amazing sometimes you go in the Bible and you just put your finger in it, you go, boom, and it's just the perfect uh, thing. It's just, you know, like, all right, thank you, you know. I mean, the great thing about the Bible, it's the only book that the author will work with you as you go through it, you know. I mean, most of the time the authors aren't around, you know, and, but Jesus is right there. He's the author. So what, do you, oh, what did you mean by that? And shut your mouth. He's able to tell you. You know, and uh, 
So you got to read and study scriptures, and that's another important thing. Those three things are all about entering your day slowly, you know. And then there's two other habits that Jesus had that I'd recommend to you, because why? Because he did it, <laughs> you know, so it's not my recommendation. He had a small group that he could be more vulnerable with. He had John and James and, and Peter and all. Do you have a small group of people that you can be more intimate with? I mean, you're even intimate with the people you might live with. There's a fellow in Seattle who studied marriage for, for, for 20 or 30 years. You know the number one criteria for an effective marriage? Does the husband take advice from his wife? He said the biggest problem with marriage is the male ego. I want to be in charge. You know, no. And the men ought to just get a, get a life. You know I mean? You probably got the best advisor living with you. Why don't you listen to him? Margie and I just celebrated our 50th anniversary, and uh, I tell you, and everybody knows, Margie knows that I married above myself, which is a real secret, and, uh, but I've also listened to her because, I mean, she's so wise. She sees things differently, you know, but it also helps to even have a small intimate group outside the house, you know, and I have a group of guys I've been with for, God, 18 years now, and and we're just there for each other. We don't compete with each other in business and all. We're just there with each other. I'm also in a Bible study group at 6 in the morning on Wednesdays. And we start off and saying, what's happening and all. And then we got the most incredible Bible teachers. Don't you love these Bible teachers who know the Bible so well and somebody tells them a problem and he says, oh, go to Isaiah, you know, one this. And then, hmm, go to here to Matthew. And they, you know, I go, whoa, how does he know that? But it's unbelievable the, what's in the Bible, because there's no problem that you can have that's not there. And so that's being in a small Bible group is really important. So you can have a small group that you can be more intimate with and you can get back. And then the final uh, habit that, that Jesus had is to trust the unconditional love of the Father. I mean, wasn't he really interesting in the garden like any kid? He asked his father three times I don't have to go through this, do I, Dad? You know, I mean, aren't kids like that? You say no, go through it, you know, or do this. And then they ask again and again. And finally he said, what? Thy will be done. You know, just trusting and trusting the unconditional love of the good comes to all, what? Who have faith and believe uh, in, in the Lord. And the, what gets in people's way, I think, is that they think their self-worth is out there by how much money they make, the, the recognition they get for their efforts and their power and status. Let me tell you, there's nothing wrong with you know, making good money or even getting some recognition of power. What's wrong is if you would think that's who you are because then you need more. You know, on these people, you know, and all of a sudden there's tough economic times and they take a $20 million bonus when they've laid off thousands of people. I mean, they need to get a life. I mean, you know, I mean, how much do you need? But they keep score that way. But what's the opposite of those success things? It's really significance. And what's the opposite of accumulation of wealth? One that's so important to this church, what? Generosity. I mean, that's, that's so important. It's not what you get, but it's generosity not only with your treasure, but your time and your talent and your touch reaching out to people. What's the opposite of recognition? It's service. Jesus said, even I have come to serve, not to be served. And what's the opposite of uh, power and status. It's loving relationships, which is really so important. My friend John Ortberg, who's a wonderful preacher and, and author, uh, wrote a wonderful book uh, about his grandmother. Uh, and it was titled, At the End of the Game, It All Goes Back in the Box. And his grandmother was an incredible Monopoly player. Any of you ever play Monopoly when you're young? He said his grandmother was a vicious Monopoly player. And at the end of every game, she had everything. He had nothing. And she would get this big grin on her face and she'd say, John, someday you're going to learn how to play the game. So when he was about 12 or 13, this kid moved next door. He was an incredible Monopoly player. And he practiced with his kid every day one summer because he knew his grandmother was coming in September. And when Grandma came, he ran out of the house. He gave her a hug and a kiss. And he said, Grandma, how about a Monopoly game? And her eyes let up. Let's go, John. But he was ready for her this time. And he came out of the chute and he wiped his grandmother out. You know, and he had everything. He said it was the greatest day of his life. <laughs> and his grandmother smiled and she said, John, now that you know how to play the game, let me teach you a lesson about life. 
it all goes back in the box. And he said, what? He said, all, all you bought, all you accumulated. See, the only thing that's important in life when all is said and done is who you love and who loves you. And remember when Jesus said, what are the big, when they asked Jesus, what are the big uh, commandments? What did he say? It's all about love. Love God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your soul. And love thy neighbor as thyself. Oh boy, that's a really powerful kind of thing. And it's in, in love. And I think in John it says, if you know God, you know love. If you don't know God, you don't know love. And if you will take that love in your heart, it will live within you. And see, that's where the action is. That's where the whole thing is. And to me, everything about this wonderful church is about reaching out with love to people because you're not out there slamming people and all. You're walking alongside them. I think Jesus came here not to create a religion, but for relationships. And I think this church, this wonderful church, is all about building relationships with people and walking with them. And in your walk, then introducing them to the Lord. And so they know that they got somebody on their side. They have a partner in life. They have somebody who absolutely loves them no matter what they are and forgives them. It's all about grace and forgiveness. I want to tell you, it's fabulous. But you need some decent habits to remind yourself out of this. Otherwise, you can get caught up in life and get caught on the treadmill and then that lousy rat race. And Jesus doesn't want us. He said, I come to give you abundant life, which is joy, peace, and righteousness. So God bless. What a joy it is for me to be here with you at Life Church. You're doing great work, and I'm loving and praying for you. God bless. Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was trying to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show into all the apps people like to listen? How do I make money from my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. I really believe I have something special to share with the world. And Anchor is helping me do that. And I love how easy to use their podcasting tools are. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast, make money doing it, go to Anchor FM Start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's Anchor FM Start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. It is time for our good deeds around the world today. We're going to be highlighting two organizations. First, the United Nations Children's Fund. UNICEF fights for children's rights and welfare by strengthening legislation and social services initiatives, including early childhood development, nutrition, immunization, water, sanitation, and hygiene, children with disabilities, and education. We also have Concern Worldwide. Concern Worldwide is a non-governmental organization that fights poverty in developing countries by providing life-saving humanitarian aid primarily focused on alleviating world hunger, increasing world health, and responding to emergencies and natural disasters. 
And that is our good deeds around the world today. Do you know anybody that's making a difference in the world today? Would you like to share it with the podcast positivity show? Well, send me a message on my message board, always posted to my Facebook at M Gartner, never forsaken. Look forward to hearing from you. Welcome to the Weekend Kids Show with Marlena G. listen to some music while we work so who wants to pick first oh why don't we listen to the song i've got the perfect song it's a new song by joe superior i love joe superior (laughs) never heard of him what you're not into jody that's not a word it's a play on words so if you're a devotee to joe you're a jody get it Devotee to Jody. Devotee to Jody. Devotee to Jody. I get it. Okay. Listen to this. Doesn't that just make you want to dance? Oh, yeah. My name is Luke, and this is how we answered the problem of the mushy, gushy love. Me and only me. I want love for me. Oh, no. Not you two. What is that song? I have it stuck in my head. It's that Joe Superior song they've been listening to all day. They won't stop. I cannot focus. Why don't you ask them to play a different song? I tried, but they won't give me a turn. It is catchy. But listen to the lyrics. I want love for me and only me. That doesn't seem right. Incoming field office message. Mm. Yeah, we better get down to the hub. Okay. Hey, 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 hey. Look on the bright side. At least they'll play a different song when we hear the incoming message. It's from our field office in Spain. Ah, bueno. Hola, Connect HQ. Mi amigo Hugo here has a problem he'd like to share with you. I will translate it for you. Dime de nuevo, Hugo. Bueno. Lo estado pasado malacole. Siempre me meto en peleas y mi madre siempre me dice lo mismo. Que debo amar en pelear, pero eso me suena mushigushi. <laughs> Así mismo, mushigushi. He says, okay, I've been having a tough time at school. I get in a lot of fights and my mom is always telling me love instead of fight. But that sounds pretty mushigushi to him. Amar es cosa de corazones de chiquillas. Que debo decir daros un brazo. Como voy de firme sin sentirme amoroso pasado? Ah, sí, sí, sí. Muy interesante, Hugo. He says, love is like hearts and girly stuff. So what am I supposed to do? Hug them? Is there some way that I can defend myself without being lovey-dovey? Help us find an answer, por favor. Muchas gracias, HQ. Does he mean mushy-gushy like this? I think so, but loving others doesn't mean we have to be mushy-gushy. I mean, I'm a guy. I love others. We can love others with pure love, without being sugary. I like that. The point link could be love pure. Love others the way God does. Point link acquired. 
We can make a list of all the ways we could love others. Hey, that's a great idea. Alyssa, how about you and Harper go make a verse link, and uh, Dot and I will make a list. You're doing it again. Sorry, it's stuck in my head. I can't focus. <clears throat> Sorry, I don't even realize I'm doing it. Okay, how about from the book of John, chapter 13, verse 35. John 13, 35. John 13, 35. If you love one another, if you love one another, everyone will know you are my disciples. Everyone will know you are my disciples. How about that? I think that's great. The verse link is John 13, 35. Verse link acquired. Stop singing that song! Ooh. What about letting someone else have your turn at something first? That's a great idea. Also, you can love others by giving good advice. Like, that bread looks moldy. Don't eat it. <laughs> That's common advice around here. How many examples of loving others is on our list now? Um, almost 30. That should be enough. Man. I wish there were a way to make these examples as catchy as a Joseph Perrier song. Actually, there is. We have a group at HQ that writes songs. They're called the Beat Doctors. <laughs> anyway, uh, we could send them this list here and uh, see if they can come up with a song. And Skit Vision can make a music video. Perfect. I will get this list to the Beat Doctors. Hurry up, okay? It's your turn in the spinny chair. Harper, why are you so mad? Do you really dislike Joe Superior that much? It's not Joe Superior. I mean, yes, his lyrics are cheesy. And yes, his melodies are annoying. And yes, he makes up words to describe his fans. And yes, he wrote a song about love. But it doesn't even seem like he knows what pure love looks like. But... I wouldn't say I dislike Joe Superior. <laughs> then what's going on? I feel left out. Like, you and Dot have this special group I'm not allowed to be in. Harper, I'm so sorry. I never meant to make you feel like an outsider. I know you didn't mean to. Sometimes I'm really bad about making sure that everyone feels included. That's one way I could be better about loving the way that God loves us. And I'm sorry I got so mad. That's not how God's love acts either. He's always quick to forgive. I'm really glad you said something, because I'd hate for you to think that I don't love you. I think you're awesome. Even more than Joe Superior? Way more than Joe. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to him? Things got a little too fast on the spinny chair. We found a verse link. Awesome! How about we celebrate with a little superior dance party? Actually, Dot, I think we should give that song a rest for a while. Might have stuck in my head. <clears throat> I think I found a new song that can take its place. Really? The Beat Doctors and Skip Vision made us a music video. Let's, uh, let's check it out. This is a 66 pick mixed up into one. The book's about God, who he is and what he's done. It's the Holy Bible, y'all, with God's truth packed out inside. It's alive, applies the heart in your heart and in your mind. Old Testaments are set up for the big event. When Jesus crashed the scene with a new arrangement It's history, his story, whose story, God's story Oh, the story of how much he loves me Let him know about the pages 
I'm here to tell you we need one another. You might not know it, but it's true. But God has called us to a mission. We cannot do it by ourselves. Cause here is what the Bible says to do. We've gotta serve one another, love one another, own one another, live in harmony with one another. Accept one another, teach one another, greet one another, have concern for one another. Bear with one another, be kind to one another, forgive one another, live in peace with one another. Oh, submit to one another, speak to one another, sing with one another, confess your sins to one another. Hospitality to one another And carry one another's burdens Oh, be honest, be humble, be devoted, be patient And build up one another oh, We got to encourage one another Challenge one another Meet with one another Speak well of one another You've heard, you know it's true. And God has called us to a mission. We can't do it by ourselves. Cause one another, all together, we can make this whole world better. When we do what the Bible says to do. stuck in my head. Me too. Much better than Joe Superior. This song is full of ways for Hugo to show that he can love without being all mushy-gushy. Okay. So we all got our links, yeah? Well, how about we share what we found? Bible Link is one another music video. Bible Link uploaded. The verse link is John 13, 35. If you love one another, everyone will know you are my disciples. Verse link uploaded. The point link is love pure. Love others the way God does. Point link uploaded. Uh-oh. We forgot to find a limit link. Um, I have one. I shared that... I felt left out of the Superior Fan Club group and learned my friends do want to include me. I will love others by being quick to forgive and treating everyone with respect. Limit link uploaded. Harper, I didn't mean to make you feel left out. I'm sorry. I love being your friend. Thanks for saying that. I love being your friend too. Hugo, recibimos una respuesta. Míralo. Hola, Hugo. My name is Luke. And I. And we are a part of Connect HQ, and we have an answer for you. It's in the Bible, in the book of John. 
John 13:35. If you love one another, everyone will know you are my disciples. See, loving one another isn't mushy gushy or anything you might hear in a pop song. God made all of us to love one another with respect, and there are so many different ways to show each other pure love. The list is long. We can love one another with letting others go first, or giving some good advice. And sometimes loving one another means making sure we look for the outsiders and include them, or forgiving others quickly when they hurt us. When we show each other pure love, the selfless kind of love Jesus showed others, we stand out in the world as His followers. Love pure, love others the way God does. And remember, Hugo, Connect HQ is always here to help you. Gracias, Connect HQ. Showing love to others shows the world that we are disciples of Jesus. But if you haven't decided to be a disciple of Jesus, you can make that decision today to follow Jesus and love pure as He does. Just remember the A B C's. A. Admit. Admit that you've done wrong and ask God to forgive you for disobeying Him. B. Believe. Believe God sent Jesus to take the punishment for your sin. Trust that you are forgiven because Jesus made you right with God. C. Choose. Choose to spend your whole life depending on God's power to help you say no to sin. As you live and love like Jesus, tell others God is your leader and number one friend. If you want to make that decision today, and talk about it with your Connect small group leader before you leave. Thank you for listening to the Weekend Kids Show. It's time to go. Hey, parents! I want to say thanks for allowing your child to tune in to the podcast positivity show today and listen to the kids segment. It'll be right back here again next Saturday and the Saturday after that and after that. Well, you get the idea. And kids, I look forward to fellowshipping with you and helping you grow in your walk with Christ and learn so much more about God. You'll hear from me soon. Only with your parents' permission, though. Yay! It is time for the inspiration of the day. Stay tuned for some really great inspirational music from Life Church on the Open Network.
That is all the time that we have for the show today. I thank you for fellowshipping with me. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope it touched something down in your spirit and helped you grow closer to Jesus Christ himself. And until next time, may God pour out his blessings on you until we meet again.